The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Lady Love. Lady Love. So I came up with an epiphany today while I was at work. Ooh, hit me with it. Uh, you know, Little Shop of Horrors loves me some Audrey course, too. I've decided that Audrey too is based off of pistachio nut. How so? Have you never looked at a pistachio nut? I was like eating them today because Joseph brought them in. And it's like, I don't know, when you crack it open, it's all purple and green on the inside. <laughs> and it looks like it, like I wanted, I should have brought a fucking pistachio with me. You should have. So I can explain this. But it does. It legit looks like an Audrey too. I feel like whoever did this had an affinity for pistachio. Really? Yes. Not an affinity for plants. No. Why would he have not a, at all? Not a maybe, Venus flytrap? No, because like a Venus, Venus flytrap. A Venus flytrap looks nothing like that. <laughs> well, you can't put a Venus flytrap out there and then be like, this is Audrey and now she eats humans and she's great, but not that great. I think he just like pistachios. All right. I guess I'll give it to you, but I got to see the whole pistachio like ensemble. I should have brought a nut. Next time I'll bring the nuts. So this week... It's going to be a special one since this is our last in-person recording for a while. (laughs) Fucking stupid (laughs) fucking Oklahoma. (laughs) Don't blame them. It was half my choice. (laughs) And since it's very special, we decided to have a Miss Ellen Marie Marsh on the podcast. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm a nervous, but I'm but I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> coming on the show. I know. I think we're all under duress. I work in a warehouse and it's like a Malaysian sweatshop. Oh. I do not have air conditioning. It's hot. I'm dirty. It's not fun. And I literally have no air. I'm like in a little area where there's a window, but it doesn't open. It's a big window so they can look into my shop and watch me work, but I don't get any breeze. I feel that's sounds illegal i don't know like the law but it sounds highly illegal i feel like it probably is illegal yeah agreed and i'm fairly certain we have illegal people working for us like our contract teams (gasps) lady love teardrop teardrop tried to ask me to go to goddamn olive garden today and i was like i have a boyfriend sir you turned down olive garden i'm not Come on, lady. That's a strong woman. Soup salad and breadsticks. I mean, I would be tempted. I'm not going to lie. I mean, homie's got a teardrop tattooed on the corner of his eye and it's filled in. I'm pretty sure that means he murdered someone. I think so. I think I have heard that that means they murdered someone in prison. Oh, what? What? That's what I that's what I've heard about the teardrop that it's like I mean obviously he, that, that can't be true if he's like out and alive and living in among the people living in your illegal sweatshop but <laughs> I feel like that's what the, I've heard that that's what that means. So if it's filled in or not it means something? I think no, you know just that. just the teardrop. I think the te- I don't know. I feel like that means like you shanked a bitch in prison. I mean if it happened in prison did doesn't it mean he already got away with it? I mean, it depends. I guess if he got caught for shanking someone in prison, he could have like hid the. I'm sure that's not why he went in. Um, I'm sure he probably went in for being an illegal alien. Oh my god, no! Wait, you can't arrest people for that, can you? I'm pretty sure you can. It's called ICE. I thought you could just (laughs) deport them. Well, that's what ICE is. They like get rid of you. They like bring you into custody. They didn't do do a very good job. I don't know. I don't know. It's. But anyway, all to say you passed up on Olive Garden, and I don't know if he made the right decision there. But I mean, that's it, he, you could have had free breadsticks later. Like. I know free bread. Our Olive Garden is very salty, though. I feel like ours is like quite intensely. Like I love salty, but this is like dehydrated immediately. Lick the bread. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, do you hear that? I live near a hospital. Do you hear that, Siren? Oh, that's awesome. No. Well, she works at a hospital. She hears that all the time. Hopefully, somebody's <laughs> being mercy flighted and doesn't sound like it. They'll be fine. <laughs> I'm saying, eh, it's okay. I think it's fine. But anyways, I'm Courtney. And I'm Kat. And hi! <laughs> <laughs> and this is Wine, Wicked Crimes, and Cat Moms, oh my. Woo! <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get to rehearse before. Can we do it again? Ready? <laughs> okay. Ready? One, two, three. Welcome to Wine. Wait, go. Wait. Oh, okay. I'm okay. Courtney. And I'm Kat. And I'm Ellen. And this is Wine. 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 You guys, that's, that's a far too long of a title for me to remember. <laughs> Take three. Go. Ready? Okay. okay. I'm Courtney. And I'm Kat. And I'm Ellen. 
And this This is is Wine wine, Rick Crimes and and Cat Comms. I need a script. I need a script. All right. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Well, before we get started, Lady Love will introduce our wine of the week. Ooh. And because you are on Broadway, we chose a $9.99 Broadway selection from Chateau Buffalo, an urban winery and cidery. Oh, my God. You guys are so cute. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> It's a Concord blend with Loganberry, New York State Red Table Wine. This wine is a tribute to the historic Buffalo landmarks, the Broadway market, a toast to the past, and a look towards the Buffalo bright future. Cute. Even though the Broadway market is trash now, I don't know what happened to it. Oh. (laughs) Have you ever been to Buffalo? Yes, I have, because I worked in Rochester, and I went to Buffalo, and is the garbage plate from Buffalo or Rochester? Rochester. Okay, that's a Rochester thing. I thought I had a garbage plate in Buffalo, but that might be a lie. But yes, I have been to Buffalo. How are your sports ball teams doing? Uh, It's been on sports ball, right? I was going to say, I think we suck. I I think the only team that we have that's good is like the the bandits or something and they play lacrosse and no one watches lacrosse hey hey is don't isn't it the buffalo bills or no oh the yeah, bills yeah bills. they just got into the playoffs for the first time like ever in since my entire life i think this last oh. year yeah just like last year oh this is a sports city but we're not sports people no we got it. we suck every team sucks and everybody hates us because they come here and we know we suck so we're assholes and we suck so if they win or lose they just hate us either way right i mean what I appreciate is I just appreciate your brave authenticity and just owning that. And I think that should, I think that should be celebrated. Yeah. on the back for knowing that we suck. <laughs> it's good to, it's really good to know who you are deep down inside. Buffaloians. What's a Buffalo person? A Buffalonian? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that real? Yeah. Yeah. We are called That's Buffalonians. Are. All right. We're more like assholians, but you know, it sounds better. Yeah. Love. You know, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, okay. So, I guess we will start this with a little bit of an interview. So, how long have you been performing on Broadway? Um, I've been on Broadway for about 11 years. Um, and Yeah, 11 years. In um, six different original productions. And then before that, I did, like, you know, national tours and European tours and all kinds of stuff, but on the actual Broadway about 11 years. Nice. You did European tours. That's the tits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically I got to like travel Europe on someone else's dime. It was amazing. I was doing West Side Story and we got to go to all these really cool places when you like can't afford to go to all those really cool places, you know? So I got to like go and get paid to travel. It was, it's amazing. It was amazing. That sounds awesome. I can barely go to Toronto and it's like three hours away. I love Toronto. I love Toronto. It's such a cool. My second Broadway show is Priscilla Queen of the Desert. And we did our out of town in Toronto. So I was there for three months. Oh, that's awesome. It's so nice. Everyone's so nice there. Why are they so nice? I don't Canadian. Yeah, I was gonna say Canadians are quite nice. And I feel like it stresses me out a little bit because all the men wear yoga pants. Like they all wear yoga pants to run. Yeah, like super tight compression yoga pants. Like junk everywhere running like you can see all of it ew yeah it's very i was it was intense i went for a raptors game and it was intense Hmm. i didn't know that i'm learning so many things already (laughs) right on the jump that's what we're here for we provide knowledge (laughs) of unnecessary things like a knockoff snapple bottle yes (laughs) (laughs) you want to try this little let's do it Tink. tink cheers Oh, that's actually good. good. It tastes like Loganberry. Yeah, it does. Have okay. you had Loganberry? I don't think so. I don't think I've ever had a Loganberry wine. Oh, you need to have Loganberry in general because it's okay. amazing. It's actually more like simple syrup, I think, and then they just like thin it out slightly with water, but it's delicious. Yum. That does sound delicious. Oh, my God. You guys are so cute with your little Nightmare Before Christmas 
I have this affinity for Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, I love it. I have a gigantic Jack and Sally tattoo on my ribs. It's amazing. My daughter was Sally for Chris- for Christmas. My daughter was Sally for Christmas. My daughter was Sally for Halloween. I mean, she could do both Christmas and Halloween. Why not? Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so cute. Okay. So next question. What made you choose Broadway? I feel like it's a very intense career. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good adjective. Um, it is a very intense career. I just, you know, from the time I was a little girl, it's just always what I wanted to do. I have the most cliche story ever. Like I saw Annie when I was like eight and I was like, I want to be up there. And my mom was like, yeah, nice try, kid. <laughs> and um, I mean, she was always supportive. She was just like, I mean, you're not going to be on Broadway, honey. And I was like, fuck you. Um <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I just, I always wanted it. And it is a very weird part of show business because it's very, you know, time consuming. The training is crazy and, you know, the chances are slim. It's very competitive. Um, But I guess I'm just like a masochist. And I was like, you know, (laughs) please let me feel like crap about myself all the time. But yay, let me smile. But um, yeah, it's just kind of always what I've wanted to do. All my like my little girl dreams just wanted to like be on stage. And then it turns into a job and it's, you know, it's totally different. And we have the same, you know, responsibilities and, you know, lots. it's exhausting. It's very time consuming. We never get holidays like, you know, you perform on Christmas and your birthday and the weekends and stuff. So there's a lot of sacrifice, but it's a really like extraordinary world to be in. Um, you know, there's nothing like Broadway. It's just fascinating. Have you guys seen Broadway shows before? I've seen Phantom of the Opera, which is my favorite uh-huh. musical ever in the world. I've seen a few. I've seen Phantom. I think, uh, what else have I seen? I can't think of A lot of tours come through Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen Phantom actually on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. uh, here, I think I've seen, I seen Les Mis not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I've seen that when I was here. I love Les Mis. The Lion King. I feel like the Lion King is like the, the everyone goes to see the Lion King. It's so good. Oh my God. It's so good. It has been on Broadway for I think 25 years and it's yeah. still magic. That's a lot. Yeah. How do they even go through that? Like, cause you got to replace a lead person. I would think with someone else. Is it like on a TV show where people are like reject this new person? Cause it's not the old person. Um, that's a really good question. Sometimes. Yeah, it can, you know, you get used to people, but like, you know, replacements on Broadway, especially in a long running show happen all the time. It's like a revolving door. People come in and you just, they learn the new show. And, um, I've been an original company in all the Broadway shows I've been in, meaning like you do it from the beginning, but I would imagine replacing in a long running Broadway show. It's weird because when people come in the show, like I was in kinky boots for six years and someone comes in the show and they're making their Broadway debut and they'll always remember it and their life is forever changed. And to us, it's like just a Tuesday. Yeah. Like, yeah. congrats on your Broadway debut. And you, you just forget it's like a life changing event. And it's so important and it's so magical. But um, to people who've been in a show for a long time, it's like, okay, see you later. You know, it's very interesting. Okay. I can see that, I guess. I would think, I mean, after a while, everything just becomes a job. Yep. Mm hmm. Brendan Yuri was in Kinky Boots, right? Did you ever get to meet him? Yeah, we were on the show together. Oh, that's so fucking tits. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. He was very cool. My funny story about, about him is that I didn't know how famous he was. <laughs> um, and we were like all giving him shit. And we were like, we were just like making fun of him because one day he wore like all white. And the joke is you're supposed to like wear black backstage. It's not a real rule. But I was like, hey, dude, on Broadway, we don't wear white because everyone can see you. And we were just all making fun of him. And then he opened and they had to shut down 45th Street. They had to shut the street down. Um, I have to send you a picture, actually, of his opening night. And I was like, wait, is he like? super famous and none of us knew because we didn't know you know panic is such a fandom and yeah so no but he was the sweetest little nugget very shy actually really I'm yeah so surprised you'd think a front man for like such a successful band would be more like of a social he's just quiet he's just a sweetheart just like an ordinary dude and they would never ever ever know he's a huge huge megastar Never. Yeah, that's, that's fucking awesome. I always yeah. picture like megastars being like very assholey in my own head. 
He was a doll. He was honestly the sweet. I have a couple of videos on my Instagram with him. We used to like be like, do this, do this stupid video with us. He's like, okay. Like he was so sweet. You would never, you, that's why you would never know. I mean, he's like, I don't know. I mean, he sells out Madison Square Garden in like a minute, you know, he's so, so famous, but truly like the most humble and adorable. Well, that's awesome. I seen them panic at the disco in concert once when I was younger and it was literally like a $25 little like ballroom show. Mm -hmm. And now he's like, I think a couple years ago he came to HSBC or key bank center or whatever the fuck it's called now. And it was like 200 something dollars for a nosebleed ticket. And I was like, Mm -hmm. This dude's on drugs. I paid $20 for a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, ago. totally. I know. Yeah. I know. I, I bought tickets for my daughter. Just, he actually hooked me up with tickets to see Billie Eilish because my daughter loves Billie. And I texted him and I was like, do you have any hookup for Billie Eilish tickets? And he got me like a ticket, but they were still $200. He's like, I can get you like down in the front. <laughs> still $200. I was like, oh my God. But we didn't get to go because of COVID. It was like the Sunday. We were supposed to go see Billie the Sunday when COVID started. So Broadway shut down on my birthday, March 12th. And we had tickets for that Sunday. And we never got to go. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> I know. That's so shitty. I know. So what was your favorite performance that you were in? Like show? Yeah. Oh my God. That's so hard. I mean, I guess I have to say I loved every show I've ever been in for different reasons, but pop on me. I would say kinky boots. I think kinky boots is a really, um, like necessary show. It's really important. The message is so heartfelt and wonderful. And I was in it for six years. We hit every milestone. You know, we won the Tony, we won the Grammy, we did, you know, the Macy's parade, the Today Show, the View, like we just did all the special things. So it was just kind of like a life changing show for me. And it was just, uh, it's just a big piece of my heart. So I think I think my heart will always like really, really be with that show. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, that's really sweet. I know. Tear. <laughs> so now that you're into a podcast medium, like, how do you feel? Because it's very different types of like career choices. Oh, my gosh. It's so different. I love it because I didn't think I would love podcasting as much as I do. Um, I was just sort of like, oh, I'll do this while Broadway is closed. But the crazy thing to think about is I've spent my whole life, my whole career being other people. Mm-hmm. And I've spent my whole career playing another role and being a podcaster. I'm myself for the first time, yeah. um, you know, and so I didn't realize how much I would love that, you know, just having my own voice and being authentically myself. And you know what it's like. Some people like your work and some people don't. So it's much more personal because if someone doesn't like, you know, for example, a show I'm in, I'm like, well, I can't help that, you know, but if someone doesn't like your podcast, you're like, wait, you don't like me, um, but I love it. I love it. I love connecting with people. I love telling stories. And um, I just never had a chance to like really just authentically be myself. And I never really thought of it that way, but that's my job now. My job is being myself and not being someone else. Um, so it's just really cool. Yeah. And you know, you're for some people and you're not for some people and you're like, okay, that's oh, fine. Yeah. The funny thing is I started out randomly on TCO just because I kept hearing like um, commercials and stuff for it. And at first, Patrick, I was like, oh, wow, he is intense. And then it slowly does grow on you. It really does. And then when your show came out, I started listening to it and I kind of found myself actually listening more to your guys's podcast versus the one with him and Jillian. I like them both. Yeah, they're different. They are very different, but your personality seems a lot like my own. So I kind of enjoyed it, like the banter and the no fucks given kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's very much like us. And that's just sort of our relationship. And it was funny because a couple people were like, oh, you know, Ellen and Patrick banter and they like fight like brother and sister. I'm like, yeah, we are like brother and sister. Like, you know, we we have no filter with each other. I mean, we've been friends like for 20 years. Um, So, you know, it's nice for people just to like step into just us. We just hang out and tell the story with each other. And it's very different. It's funny because people compare the two mm-hmm. at first because they're both like true crime comedy, but they're really very, very different podcasts. They're both, you know, kind of like edgy and, you know, it's not, it's not for some people. Some people 
look at it and they're like, you're laughing at true crime. I'm like, no, I mean, yes, but no, we're not, we know, you know, so no, it's just been a freaking blast. And, um, I've just got to meet so many cool people and do fun things. And I love that you love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> I do. I quite enjoy it every Wednesday. First thing I'm looking for in the morning. Yes. But oh my gosh. That makes awesome. me so happy. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's why I was surprised when you actually messaged me back. I was like laying in bed and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to message her and see what happens. And then I'm like in bed with my boyfriend and my phone goes off and I'm like huddling in the corner. I'm like reading stuff. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, this chick really messaged me back. And he's like, what? And I was like, I swear to Jesus, I'm not lying. You're so sweet. No, you know, it's really important to me to connect with people and like, you never know who's out there or like whose day you're making or, you know what I mean? It's really, really special to me because on Broadway, you see faces, you look out to people, you meet them at the stage door, people get to show their gratitude and their love. And with podcasting, you just put it out, you know, you just put Mm -hmm. it out into the space and you're like, is it, uh, do you like it? I hope you like it. And so connecting with listeners and connecting with people that sometimes people will message me and they'll say, you know, all kinds of things. I'm going through chemo or I just put my dog down or, you know, horrible things, COVID, quarantine. And one person said, you were the first thing I laughed at after my dad passed. And I was like, that is truly so special to me. Like it's such an honor, you know, to like make people laugh and Laughter, I think, is very healing. It again, people judge us sometimes, but I do think laughter is so important and it's the way to healing and laughing through pain is a wonderful thing. And just like, yeah. So I always try and message people back. I always try and read my DMs because it's important to me. And that connection is really important to me. And I'm a people person and we've, you know, we haven't been with people and um, it was hard. It was hard you know, going from an industry where you walk in the theater and there's a hundred people there backstage, you know, your hair people, your makeup, your dresser, your friends, and then just going to being like just your family is just crazy. So that connection has been really important to me. Um, And hearing that it's important to other people is just like, I could seriously cry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's so awesome. And Thank Are you, you guys going to pursue anything like else after Obsessed with Disappeared? Because I know it's supposed to be based on Disappeared, and I'm not sure how many seasons there are. There. It's nine, and we are already talking about other things, and we have some other projects that we might take on you know, in the future. Now that things are opening up, it's just like a little bit easier. You know, because have you guys recorded remotely before? Uh, no. This is yeah, our- it's really hard recording remotely. Um, so taking on something else remotely was going to be a bit much, but we have a couple other things that we're going to put out soon. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I think that's decent for the interview section. Oh yeah. I'm boring. Let's jump in. Okay. So- <laughs> I'm so excited. So I like to start most of the cases that we do with a bit from Sophia. Mm-hmm. So oh, let me find it. This time I actually decided to be a millennial and typed it on my phone instead of you did? Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> Just for the Sophia bit, though. The rest of the notes are on paper because, okay. you know. <laughs> okay. So Sophia's going to tell you what we are talking about today. Today. Today? Is that what I just said? Today. Yeah. Whatever. Same. <laughs> Picture it. Manhattan, New York, 1931. A young man briskly walks through busy city streets. A heavy weight he's all too aware of pressed against his hip and an even heavier weight on his shoulders. His wife, a fiery young thing, is taking him to the cleaners like it's our profession, and he's trying everything he can to convince her to come back. But he's about as enticing as Dorothy is in a backless dress. Some things just should not be done. Just saying. He finally arrives at the law offices at 51 Chamber Street and makes his way up to the 14th floor. There she was, a picture of displeasure. Please, come in, says the 49-year-old sleazeball she calls an attorney. Let's chat. They enter the broom closet he calls an office. The man looks at his soon-to-be ex-wife with sadness in his eyes and hope in his pitiful heart. Please, doll, we can work this out. She looks at him, a slight furrow to her brow, but overall unfazed. You owe me alimony money, much of which you've not paid. I want you in contempt of court and thrown in the slammer. I refuse to accept anything less than $40 a week. His mind racing, the weight in his pocket becoming heavier by the minute. Will you please give me a chance? Let me explain the situation. Let me prove to you I have no money. 
If you put me in jail Monday, you will put me out of business. You will destroy my future. You will make me commit suicide. Then Sleazy chimes in, a smug, mischievous smirk on his wilted face. Why don't you let me discuss this with my client in my private office? I'm sure we can find a solution to this unfortunate predicament. Distraught, he knows what's coming next. Before anyone can register what's going on, he reaches into his pocket, clutching the cool iron. He points it at her moneymaker. Bang! Bang! She's dead before she hits the ground. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> 1931 $40 a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like a lot. I know, I'm wondering what the conversion is. Uh Ooh. Hold on, let's see. I'm just wondering. That seems like a lot. I did a conversion for $600 a week and it's like 10 grand today. Wow. Really? It was $647. That's that's over $2500 a month. That's intense. That's some people don't live off that now. <laughs> That's a lot of money. I I mean, I'm not surprised. He was like, yeah, no, I can't do that. Sorry. I mean, we shouldn't do murder, but like, I understand his train of thought. (laughs) Well, this week we're discussing Roy Edgar Schuster. He was a gifted tap dancer, vaudeville performer, and dance instructor who is best known as the alimony slayer or alimony killer for murdering his wife in 1931 over his inability to make alimony payments. All those jobs, though. I'm sure that's why she thought he could afford it. Well, we get to that because, like, originally, homie was raking in, like, $200 a week. That's a lot of being a tap dancer. I mean, he was, he sounds like a broke artist to me. Yeah. Like, he well, sounds like a broke performer. Like, no. <laughs> well, he was originally doing like vaudeville performances and everything and touring a lot. So he was well known, but then the Great Depression hit. So then he went mm-hmm. broke. Right. Mm-hmm. Wait. So why were they having marital problems? Well, we'll get there. So- okay. Sorry. I get excited. Okay. No. Go. Sometime around 1904, Roy Edgar Schuster was born. Uh, I couldn't find any information about his actual birth date or parents, but his late teens and early 20s, Roy was a vaudeville performer from Manhattan, New York. I started calling him Roy Shitstein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, throughout the- <laughs> and throughout the 1920s, Roy Shitstein was a very successful tap dancer and had been performing in many different theaters all around the country. He was bringing in over $200 a week, which would be around $2,700 a week in today's money. Mm. that's a lot of money i know i was like for a tap dancer yeah i guess it used to be popular i don't know yeah all right i mean i think it still is right i don't know yeah i mean that's just like that's a lot of money i mean the thing about vaudeville was you could do the vaudeville was like a circuit and you could do a lot you could do like five shows in a night like a, yeah. you know what i mean like you could go around so he probably like did that and they also used to busk a lot back then you know, like busking, like street performers. Oh, okay. Oh, you know, okay. I don't know. He, he probably was a hustler. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he was if he was breaking in all that money, but then it takes that much work to be a vaudeville performer. And so he was he throwing it down out know. there, <laughs> tapping those toes off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would imagine for all that money. I mean, I don't, I don't know. He was like twerking in his tap shoes. Maybe, just, you know, <laughs> maybe he was throwing it back back then. I, it was something. But while touring in Milwaukee, 22-year-old Roy Shitstein met dancer and actress Amy B. Drake, and she ends up becoming a Schuster. She was also born in 1904, so they were around the same age. They, of course, fell in love, as people do, and they decided to get married because she was preggers. Oh, well, oh, shotgun wedding. <laughs> Back in that day, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's like, I mean, I'm pregnant. I guess I guess I'll marry you. I mean, okay. well, later, Roy claims that Amy was pregnant by somebody else. Oh, whoa. She's like, that's not my baby. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. (laughs) And there wasn't any Maury back then to be like, you are father. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was always my favorite moment because the girls would always like scream and then they like fall on the ground. I love it. When it comes to eight month old Brian, Kiari. You are not. And they run backstage, yes. and the cameraman's like following them. <laughs> I'm like, bitch, just stay on the stage. Why are you making that cameraman work so hard, though? <laughs> he doesn't get paid that much. Yeah, that's sluting out here. 
Like you just see the cameraman. He's like, oh, fuck, she's going backstage. <laughs> oh, and just like oh. running after them. He's getting that pain like in his side after you eat too much and then you try yeah. to run. Yeah. No Maury Povich to help on that one. All right. No. So not too long after this whole lifestyle change, Amy asked him to give up performing and to settle down to raise their daughter, Colleen. And so he did. Shitstein began working at Ned Wayburn's dancing school as an instructor at a much lower pay rate, but managed to work his way into making $150 per week. Okay. Which is still big balling. Decent. Still really good. (laughs) What the hell is this guy complaining about money problems? (laughs) All right. It it gets there. It gets there. All right. So definitely a decent pay cut, but not too terrible. But then the Great Depression hit. Okay. Wow. This is when shit really hit the fan. Hmm. Shitstain's salary was originally cut in half and about $75 a week during this era. But I mean, that's not terrible still. It's like No, not for that time. No. Not, not for that time frame. I feel like $75 is definitely a decent amount. Let's say that's still like a grand a week. That's a- yeah. 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 That's yeah. That's more the minimum wage, honey. Okay. <laughs> But you're complaining. Also, you should have saved better. Okay. You should have <laughs> downloaded Truebill, get the app, balance your money. Honey, I'm not taking these excuses. All right. 10% in the savings account every yep. time. Every time. Shifting. Come on, dude. <laughs> so his pay kept getting cut after a while until he was making only $11 a week, Ooh. which is about $175.90 in today's money. Still not bad, though, I feel. I mean, that's a struggle. That's a struggle. But again, you should have saved, dude, when you were balling the $2,000 a week. I don't feel bad for you. (laughs) Yeah. You need to make today choices for tomorrow. Absolutely not. Okay. Today choices for tomorrow. He was too busy (laughs) buying all those true religion jeans back then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, $175. I got to say, even when I started working, I was making minimum wage at 7-Eleven. I remember pulling in like a $200 check and I was like, big balling. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. My first acting job was at a theme park and I loved it. And I was making $400 a week. And I was like, wow. I'm not telling anyone how much money I make. <laughs> <laughs> All 400 for me. Okay. And I loved it. So, but anyway, no, that is awesome. I wish I would have been making $400 a week when I first started. Whew. Yeah. That was a struggle. I remember I used to look at like buying almonds, you know, like a pack of almonds. I'm like, that's $4 for a bag. I'm not buying almonds. No, why? I can't afford almonds. But like the bigger question is why are almonds so fucking expensive? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to know. Like the almond, the pistachio mm-hmm. can really go fuck themselves. Yeah. Because <laughs> why are sunflower seeds so cheap then? And walnuts? Come on. No. Yeah. Uneven distribution of nuts. No, absolutely not. No, I I totally agree with this. It's fucking terrible. I made goddamn banana bread not too long ago. Oh, how much did that cost you? It was, <laughs> I could have just bought like 60 loaves of banana bread by the time I was done buying all the ingredients. Yeah. You want a, you want a bottle of vanilla? That's like $15 for a it bottle is. of vanilla. And yeah. it's this big. Yeah. Yeah. If that. <laughs> right? Unless you get the imitation vanilla, which is like $1.99 and it's probably going to give you cancer. So. Yeah. Aww. Exactly. I think about it that way. <laughs> Wait, I told you eat organic. <laughs> I'm trying. Jesus, I'm trying. I have organic cheese. I just didn't do the eggs because I'm leaving this week. <laughs> but I'm trying. Trying. Oh. oh, I think I hear your kitty. Did Is I hear your kitty? kitty? Oh, maybe. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> I Monster. forgot to mention that you're also a cat mom. Yes, I have to see it in Boyonce. Oh, Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, well, I wanted to name the girl Beyonce. And my daughter loves Sia. She loved Sia at the time. Or she probably would have been Billie Eilish if it was later. So then I still wanted Beyonce and she wouldn't budge. So we named him Beyonce. That's we call awesome. him King B. <laughs> King B. That's so amazing. <laughs> That's the best thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> what, what kind of cats are they? Gray. Great. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. They're very, very cute. Sia is a little bitch, but she's beautiful. And King Bee looks more like just like a regular cat, but he's a cuddle bug. He's very, very sweet. Oh, and they're maniacs. Yeah. They're maniacs. You have black cats, both of you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, are they cuddly? Are black cats cuddly? Yeah, very. Um, Mine is. It depends. 
Well, hers are half and half. She yeah. has a bougie cat and then she has a little cuddly cat. Yeah. My slutty cat is like the more cuddly one. And then my escort cat is the more like, mm, I only come to you. Is that the girl that says I only come to you? They're both girls. So I have girl girl cats. What are you doing, baby girl? She's right here. She heard her. She's like, bitch, you talking about me? <laughs> I fucking hear you, bitch. <laughs> what are you looking at? I mean, she's so pretty. Hold on. Let me show you. You are oh. so pretty. Come here, baby. Come here. Oh, she's like no not on camera she's got these green eyes you have green eyes now what she uh oh now Boyonce sees she will wriggle away if I let go boom she's gone bye dude (laughs) (laughs) bitch just run away (laughs) anyway sorry cat sidetrack I know it's okay cat moms it's it's allowed totally allowed (laughs) (laughs) okay so we were at $175 a week-ish mm-hmm. around. Well, technically $11 well, a week. Yeah, went down. Yeah. So obviously all the pay decreases led to trouble at home, and they weren't as in love as they thought that they were. <laughs> that happens. I know. Okay. <laughs> Side note. I know Patrick's always saying something about, like, your ex-husband, and mm-hmm. I was going to try to, like, save it, and I Googled it. I Googled you guys to see, what, like, what he really looks like, and I was like... He's not that hot. <laughs> He's not as hot as Patrick makes him out to be. Yeah, I thought I was going to see, like, Brad Pitt. I mean, he's definitely still hot. Don't get he, me wrong. No, 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 no. He's fine. He's fine. I dated hotter. He's yeah. fine. Patrick just says it because he knows it chaps my biscuits. So <laughs> that's, that's that. It, like, people do that. People, like, look him up and they're like, he's not that hot. I'm like, I know. He's just fine. Yeah. And like he's like like if he asked for my number in a bar, I'd be like, okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean he's British, so the accent kind of like played oh. into it. A young Ellen was really thrown by like the cute accent. You know what I mean? I can see yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I've made And he was just like naturally skinny. He's like a guy that was like born with a six pack and never worked out a day in his life. Oh, I hate him. what a bitch. Yeah, no, such a bitch, right? Like get that <laughs> fucking six pack. He literally has not lifted a barbell in his life. <laughs> And he's got a six pack. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh, Oh, my gosh. I wish I had those problems. I look at a cookie and I'm like, oh, my God, that's three pounds. (laughs) feel the fudge. (laughs) I know. It's not going to stop me from eating it. No, nor me. (laughs) Before we came to recording, I was literally like, okay, I could probably maybe make it to the gym in between. And then I was like, Mm. no, there's not enough time. I guess I'll just go home and eat ice cream before I go. Yeah, treat yourself. That like why don't be toxic. Don't don't be toxic to yourself. Treat yourself. And listen, no, absolutely don't feel pressure for the gym. Ice cream and vegging and trash TV always wins. Oh, yeah. Why are you gonna do that to yourself? Ugh, if I want to sweat, I'll just go outside. <laughs> no, thank you. So Roy and Amy fought constantly, especially over money. And he even accused Amy of sleeping around on him and neglecting their daughter, who was three years old at this time. Well, shit definitely didn't get any better after this. Shit stain and Amy's relationship spiraled into a toxic makeup to breakup situation. They separated for a bit, got back together, and then they separated again. And in mid-1930, after only four years of marriage, they split up for good. And Roy was not ready for this. I feel like that's not a very... Am I stupid? Like, I feel, don't answer that. But I feel like it's like (laughs) divorce wasn't really a thing back then. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. But Amy didn't give a fuck. She was like, peace, bitch. Yeah. She was like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Yeah. She was a rapper, too. Did you forget to tell them she was a rapper? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did. I forgot. She um, featured in Akon's new track. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So he was expecting to eventually reconcile but Amy had other plans. When Shitstein received official divorce-separation paperwork, he claimed to be so distraught that he tried to off himself. And Amy's a fucking savage, because after hearing about Roy's suicide attempt, the first thing she did was get a court order forcing Shitstein to pay $40 per week in alimony. Oh, whoa, you're not going anywhere without giving me my money, bitch. I know. You're going to kill yourself? Okay, now you have to pay me money. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, before you do that again... Can you write down that I can have all your money before you freaking <laughs> off yourself? Just like oh. put it in the will. Oh my god! 
But what was all of his money going towards like during this time? I can't imagine that. Well, she wasn't like, working. Yeah, but he was making two grand before that. What was he spending it all on? They probably had a super fancy house and like a fucking grand piano in the living room. And- you think so? Oh yeah, come on. She like had a pretty woman it just laid on the on the piano <laughs> mm-hmm. while he tap danced and like played piano at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. How did he try to die by suicide? They don't specify, but mm-hmm. I feel like he's very dramatic. So I'm picturing like a failed hanging attempt. Like he probably jumped off and then the, the rope broke and he was like, Oh no, I guess I'm not the gonna die today. On to snap I mean <laughs> Because he's a murderer, I can say this, but like the drama, like, stop it. <laughs> like, come on, men, don't be so fucking dramatic, okay? He's like, I shall die. <laughs> and then he like doesn't. He's like, oh, fuck. I <laughs> Whatever. I can say that because he's a murderer and he's a yeah. piece of shit. Okay. Oh, no. It's totally fine. Especially because, yeah, I've definitely told people to jump off a bridge or two. I feel like it's warranted. She left him yeah. for a reason. There's yeah. reasons. So, um, <laughs> Roy was living alone, barely making any money, and couldn't find a way to pay the alimony. And he was trying hard to reconcile with Amy, and this thug bitch was not hearing any of it. As if life wasn't hard enough in January of 1931, Shitstain lost his job, and all he had was a small dance studio. As you probably guessed, Amy didn't give a fuck, and she wanted her money no matter what, and refused to take anything less than $40. I want my fucking money. Yeah, I stand by that. I say she should have asked for 60, but, you know. $60 right now. Yeah. You can't pay 40. I think 100 will do. Oh, I mean, yeah. He he shouldn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He should have agreed to 40. That minimum, birthing a child minimum grants you that $40 a week in 1931. That should be a court order. If you birth, I, do you guys have kids? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> our cats are our kids. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I accept. Can you not, sir? <laughs> sir. Boy, that's what I thought again. <laughs> yeah, he's like scratching the carpet, like a little. He oh, he's so huge. Anyway, sorry. Go on. He's crazy in love. That's all. Um. So, so I see Amy threatened to have Roy tossed in the slammer for contempt of court if he didn't cough up that paper. Roy really didn't want debtor's prison, so he tried to plead with Amy to stop pursuing the money. If he was put in jail, he'd lose his studio and the only little bit of money that he did have. Shitstain threatened to kill himself multiple times throughout this messy divorce. and kept, I know. Like, how are you going to keep Weak. threatening yeah. it? Yeah. I feel like <laughs> you keep putting it out there. It's not really going to happen, sir. Yeah. Like, I swear I'll do it again. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. And couldn't you, uh, couldn't you buy like anthrax back in this day? You just went to the store and bought like fucking make it real easy. I know you could have bought some poison. Oh, look, there's a shelf of poison. I guess I'll yeah. buy this one right. So here. he wasn't trying hard enough. No, definitely not. I feel like he was being dramatic. He yeah. was being dramatic. Like he just wanted the attention. Like, come on. No, maybe if I try to kill myself, she'll just come back. Yeah, that's typical. That's typical man trying to do a job and doesn't do it right. The who? The her? No. Yep. Not at all. Especially because if you're gonna say it multiple times, you've got at least a little effort. Like, <laughs> I want to see a scar, something on this wrist. There yeah. better be a something. Like you're such a loser. <laughs> you can't even do that. And I, again, I'm only saying this because he's a murderer, piece of shit. <laughs> Should be said anyway. I agree, but. After Shitstain threatened to kill himself multiple times throughout the messy divorce and kept trying winning Amy back, he asked her to at least talk with him in person. So eventually, I see Amy agreed, and on the morning of May 2nd, 1931, they planned to meet to discuss the contempt order at 51 Chambers Street. Shitstain, who was 26 years old at this time, and I see Amy both had attorneys in this building, but Roy's lawyer wasn't there when they got there. So they decided to go to the 14th floor and discuss their situation with Amy's lawyer, 49-year-old Israel Siegel. Shitstain Roy tried pleading with his wife and Israel about the alimony, allegedly saying, quote, Will you please give me a chance? Let me explain to you. I have no money. If you put me in jail Monday, you will put me out of business. You will destroy my future. You will make me commit suicide. Again. With the fucking suicide. <laughs> like, this is a whole lot of suicide. This guy sounds like a narcissist. Like, he really, like, he sounds a little sociopathic to me. Mm-hmm. I can see that, for sure. Yeah. He's probably, like, a big, super-duper asshole to her. And then she was mm-hmm. like, no, fuck you. I'm over it. Yeah. I'm really over yeah. it. And he was like, no, 
I'm going to die now. Ah. Please don't take my money. I know. I'll take my own life. I swear. Yeah. Again and again and again <laughs> and again. Look, I tried to bury myself in the yard. <laughs> it's nearly impossible to hide your own body. <laughs> nearly. It's nearly impossible. Yeah. That was a quote. Do you remember? That was a quote from one of our episodes. One of the guys, one of the, it was um, that hot, hot, that hot lieutenant. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, and, you know, we looked, but it is nearly impossible to hide your own body. I was like, <laughs> near. I, how did that get to nearly? <laughs> I was going to say, you're really dead. So I would think it's very impossible to hide your own dead body. Yeah. Unless you, like, right before killing yourself, you're like, you know what? This would be a perfect place to die where no one will ever find me, ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a crypt in the wall, like 20 <laughs> feet fucking down or something like that. I don't know, like, unless you're, like, jumping into a vat of acid and then, you know, I feel like maybe then. But then they'd still find your skeleton. Like, I feel like there's a vat of acid. Yeah. Does it? Wait, no. Does it melt down bone? I think it might. I don't know. I think it might. I think it might. I don't know. I know the human body is very hard to destroy. That would see that. Yeah. Everything else would nearly be impossible. Yeah. Yeah. But who can afford acid? Like, I mean, not the fun kind. The fun kind you could afford. Right. Pretty affordable. Yes. Yeah. If you got $10. But (laughs) the the other kind, I feel like it'd be very difficult to get. But (laughs) (laughs) so Israel and Mrs. Freeze didn't give a fuck about his sob story. And Shitstain could tell. Israel told Roy to stay there while him and Amy went into his private office to talk about the situation. Shitstain didn't take kindly to that and pulled out his 32 caliber revolver. What happened next differs depending on who's telling the story. Roy says he pulled out the gun to kill himself, but blacked out and he thinks he fired shots off while in a tussle over the gun with Israel. Israel, who was shot twice in the arm, says Roy was enraged, shot Amy two or three times, depending on the source, in the head, and she was killed immediately. Oh, no. Oh, God. Like, I feel like... no. Who blanks out during such a fucking... Yeah. During that time? Yeah. I want to know if he did it like straight out of Compton style though. And he like sideways, you know, <laughs> like just, <laughs> yeah. just three times this to me again, Amy. It's <laughs> just like, no, uh, uh, you know? yeah. like, I don't know. He got shot in the arm though. Well, Israel did. Yeah. But in his telling of the story, he shoots Amy. She's dead immediately. And while still angry, he decides to run past all these confused office workers and then just like shot the gun towards Israel without really aiming. And he was just like, yeah, like Bond style, except he missed. <laughs> so did he, but he got Israel in the arm, right? Yeah. Two flesh wounds in the arm. But he did. He, he, he made it. Yeah, he was fine. I mean, I didn't think in 1931, like I, that's, that's wild. Yeah, like in terms of like where medicine was back then. Yeah, that's true. I mean, thank God they were just flesh wounds because if it would have been anything else, he probably would have been. I know. Yeah. They just like picked up some dirt. They're like, here, Put this will sanitize it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> Is it bubbling? Oh, it's fine. No, it's fine. It just grazes the skin. Is it red? No, that means it's healing. It's supposed to burn when oh, it's healing. Oh, God. <laughs> so much stress. <laughs> so either way, Roy killed Amy and wounded Israel and ran away. Their daughter was left at their neighbor's house, who was babysitting her. Shitstain Roy was caught a little less than a month later on May 28, 1931, in Little Rock, Arkansas. He was living under the name Anderson in a shitty motel and writing a book about dancing so he could pay for his daughter's care. And like all four people that would have bought your stupid ass book on <laughs> dancing. I know. This yeah. is how you tap dance. Yeah. How do you explain dancing in a book? That's what I was just thinking. It's probably a lot of pictures. Like, he probably drew a lot of stick figures. Uh, Like, the footsteps and then one and two and one and two. And then, like, you put arrows to show the directions. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, no one ever gets that right. And then they're, like, fucking doing some weird shit. They're crip walking in the living room. (laughs) I just want to learn how to tap dance. (laughs) So... When law enforcement caught him, he told them Amy's death was accidental. Quote, I guess I'll get. He told them, quote, I guess I'll get the electric. I guess I'll get. I I forgot my card at home. (laughs) You're doing great. You're doing great. (laughs) He told them, quote, 
I guess I'll get the electric chair for no jury will listen to my story. But the killing was accidental. I went to the door and I suppose Siegel was trying to dissuade my wife from coming back to me. I pulled out a gun to end it all, but Siegel thought I was going to shoot him and rushed towards me. We grappled and the gun went off several times as we scuffled. When I regained my senses, my wife was dead and Siegel was gone. What a drama queen. I know. Such a lion. I know you're lying. Your lips are moving. (laughs) No, I mean, that sounds like it's as if someone was like, come up with a really shitty excuse. He's like, I got one. Like, that sounds like the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. That's most definitely the biggest, especially like, how are you going to get like three headshots without aiming? Yeah. The gun just went off. I don't know what happened. Ding, ding. Yeah. Blacked out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He blacked out and then had really good aim while blacked out. It's a sideways gun. That's what it was. It, it always gets people. Yeah. <laughs> and like wanted, you know how they can like shoot around corners and <laughs> yeah. shit? That's what yeah, it was. Yeah, they like curve mm-hmm. your arm and the bullet all of a sudden is doing like a backflip into whatever. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Like that. So Shudstein Roy went to trial and was found guilty of second degree murder and sentenced to 25 years to life in prison on October 22nd, 1931 or November 2nd, 1931. I found two different dates on this. He was sent to Osinging. Osin. He was sent to Sing Sing. Yeah. Sing Sing in New York. Yeah. Is it? I think so. Yeah. It's on like Osinging Island or some shit. Osin. Hmm. Okay. Whatever that is. Mm Mm-hmm. While in there, Roy joined a dance group called the Sing Sing Minstrels. Or the in Sing jail, Sing. he joined a dance group. Yeah. <laughs> he walks in, he's like, oh, which one of you fuckers know how to tap dance? We're forming a dance team. <laughs> it's like, just like looking at all the criminals and they're just like horrible. It's like in Sister Act, you know, when they when she gets all the nuns at first, he's like, you guys are a fucking disgrace. And he just like whips them into shape. No, no. No shit stain. Like the glee of prisons. Yeah, that's, that's exactly weird. He was probably like the redheaded nun in Sister Act. Yeah. One, they didn't know. And then like he rips off his fucking top and then he <laughs> he can tap dance like the wind. Oh, gosh. The, the group put on public shows to raise money for a relief fund for the family members of the inmates. Roy did a tap routine and killed it and they raised a bunch of money. But he ended up finding out that the money that was raised was pocketed by mobsters who ran Sing Sing instead of actually going to charity. Mm, That tracks. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not really surprised by this in 1931. Yeah. Like this this story just took a a left turn with the glee like jail and the mobsters undertaking the money from the tap dancing people. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's changed my view on life in the 1930s for sure. Who went to that show? <laughs> they're, like, they're like, hi, hi, Sam. There's a show down at the prison. A bunch of guys are going to be tap dancing. We should go. And what? Who went to that? God, yeah. Oh my god, that's a good question. Agreed. Who, who I know. went there? Why? It's it probably all the, like the single ladies, and they were like, oh, I guess we can go watch some murderers dance. I bet you they're all ripped. I thought it would just be a bunch of bored COs that didn't have anything better to do. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I feel like CEOs at that time could just like torture their inmates if they were bored. I mean, they could do that now. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> now we have camcorders. Back then, they had nothing. You could literally do whatever and they'd be like, nope, Steve did it over there. <laughs> it wasn't me. Prove it. Nope, it was Steve. <sighs> but Shitstein refused to perform anymore since the money was filling greedy pockets. So he was labeled a difficult prisoner and transferred to Denimora or Clinton State Prison in 1935. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, he got there and he tried to make the best of it. And he became a cell study teacher, which was like their version of a GED course for the prisoners Mm. so that they could all get their high school equivalency degrees. No more tap dancing? I guess not. I guess he was like over it after the mobster stole all his money or whatever. No tap dancers at this new prison. No. No tap dancing for you. (laughs) No more. We take your metal shoes away. (laughs) He even received a letter from the New York State Board of Education commending him for his great work. But Shitstein Roy got himself into some trouble in 1941 Mm -hmm. when he tried to snitch on the prison officials, especially in the education department, for being corrupt and stealing money from the education funds. Not the way to go, homie. Yep. And he also found out that they were being bribed by the inmates to pass for better grades. 
After all of these scandalous accusations, Roy was interviewed by Dr. Lehman H. Caswell to determine his sanity, but Roy was not aware that this was what this was. Dr. Caswell deemed him paranoid, suspicious, and insane. He had no lawyer present and was given only this one interview. Shitstein was shipped off to Denimora psych ward where he was beat and abused constantly. The kicker was he was supposed to be up for parole in 1948, and because he was considered insane, he remained an unwilling resident of the mental institution until he was let out in 1975 at the age of 71. Oh, no. (laughs) That Like, all of a sudden, he stopped being a fucking psychopath? And they're like, you know what? I think... I think he's okay now. I think, <laughs> I think he's good. He can go home. What? Give him his freedom. Give him his freedom. I mean, I mean, but also he was 77 years old. 71. 71. Who can't kick a 70-year-old in the shin and then, like, run away from Yeah. I think we get crazier as we get older. So he was, like, crazy on top of crazy. Oh, no. That's true. But they think that he wasn't actually crazy. It was just because he kept trying to snitch out all these prison people for, like, stealing money. So he pissed off the wrong people. Yeah. And they're like, we'll show you, you little shit stain. You're staying in jail. I call it karma. Yeah, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody feels bad for you, my dude. (laughs) Literally nobody in this little podcast circle feels bad for you. I mean, I feel feel bad for the prison people who had to deal with him. (laughs) And then I feel bad for the world. And they're just like, hey, take care of this fucking psycho murderer, dude. Like, what did he do at 71? He should have just stayed there. He had no skills. Yeah. He was crazy. He's a murderer. And he's also a sheep stain. Yeah. I agree. I feel like he so would have been kept him in. Yeah, he could have been living it up, eating three square meals a day. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, some people need to go to jail to have that structure. And plus, I bet you he did all the finger painting that he wanted to. There was poop everywhere in those prisons. Ew. Oh my god, <laughs> so gross. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> so Roy died ten years later in Manhattan and was known Bye. as <laughs> Bye. Nobody cares. There you go. And he died being known as an activist for prisoners' rights. What? Yeah. I mean, out of prison or while he was in prison? Out against. So in that 10-year span that he had out of prison, he was, like, fighting for prisoners' rights because he was locked up. I do agree in prisoners' rights. I believe in, like, you know reform and and you know teaching people to how to not you know come back to jail but you're a murderer yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll say you shot your wife in the head three mm-hmm. times yeah yeah that's crazy okay all right so that's the story of roy edgar Shitstein. what did he what did what finally got him what what did he finally pass from I think just old age, mostly. Assholery. Assholery is going around, I've yeah. heard. Yeah. No, I can see that. I can definitely see that. He died. Male, male douche canoes just like everywhere. You can die from that. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> it's a problem. Yeah. It's a pandemic, really. It's another pandemic. It was in the 70s. It was before we were all born. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. I can't believe after all that, he just like peaced out of jail and was like, prison rights. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Well, because he felt so wronged for being put in a mental institution for so long, even though he murdered his wife. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Point blank. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Shitstain. Let's see. Uh, Nobody cares. Yeah. (laughs) That's why no one's ever heard of him. I had to, like, reach deep into the Google to find this. Because I was looking for someone, like, related to Broadway or something. And then this was, like, the first thing that came up. And he looked like a Shitstain, too. Like, he just looks like a nerd. I mean, our lesson that we learned today is never trust a man who dances. I can get on board with that. <laughs> I agree. Never trust a male dancer. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I know a lot of women on Broadway, like straight men on Broadway are notorious like assholes because a lot of male dancers on Broadway are gay and there's all beautiful women around. So they kind of have the pick of the litter. So they have to do very little to get like gorgeous women and they're all assholes so this whole story makes a shit ton of sense to me yeah bye shit stain yeah i mean shit stain was probably buried in his own shit stains no probably (laughs) probably still (laughs) 
I mean, isn't that what you called it? A death poop or something? Mm-hmm. Probably yeah, like people death take poop. a death shit. They do. And it stinks. And yeah. it's bad. So they probably just left him in his death poop and then put him in the ground. <laughs> that was a really stinky poop. Who could deal with that? Not Amy. Because Amy wasn't dealing with any of it. Well, she was dead, Lady Love. She can't deal with anything. I'm sure she's probably the reason he was in the psych ward. Like, she was coming back to haunt him. and then. Oh, yeah. Karma yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. There we go. I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. All right. That was so fun. What a great story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me on your shit stainery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. Anytime you want. Um. All right. How do you guys sign off? Do you have a sign off thing that I have to learn again? Do I have to learn another thing? <laughs> well, we usually like rant it off because we barely remember it. But do you have anything that you would want to promote or anything like that? Um, I just, you know, you can find me on my socials. Ellen with a Y. You spell my name with a Y. And Ellen Marsh and Ellen Marie Marsh on TikTok. Are you guys on TikTok? I'm no. not. No. I'm officially the oldest person on TikTok, but no. I, you guys, I fucking love TikTok. Please don't tell anyone. Um, I love TikTok. It's a, it's a problem, actually. My friend is yeah. trying to get me to get on it, but I'm just so resistant to it. I just, I was I, too. I, I was too. And then when you make the dive, and then you know, you, yeah, your life will never go back to the way it was. <laughs> and then I'm ashamed. And proud at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) It's a mixture of feelings, but it's still a good one. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I can see you enjoying it, though, because you make funny videos. Like, I'm very, like, not funny. So it would be, it, it, yeah, it would be very less than pleasing. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, yes, you can message me anytime. And, um, and my, my podcast is called, um, Obsessed with Disappear. And we cover missing persons cases. So that's all we do. And we love we love a good bad guy. We love a good bad guy to like lay into. That's like the best episodes when there's like some shitty dude who's done something shitty, and then we tell everyone how shitty they are, and then we shit on them, and then then we're done. Oh yeah, no, that's like the best feeling ever. I feel like we have so much fun just like tearing people apart on mm-hmm. this. Yeah, it's pretty great. Good. Um, thank you guys. I can't wait to hear the episode. You guys are amazing. Keep rocking it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Love you much. Bye. Bye. (laughs) But yeah, I guess you can find us on our Facebook group at Wine Wicked Crimes and Cat Moms Oh My. Or on our Instagram cage. On our Instagram cage? (laughs) Instagram page at (laughs) Cat Moms Oh My podcast. You can follow us on Twitter for no real reason because I don't post on the Twitter. <laughs> but you can follow us on Twitter at Cat Moms on My Pod. What if we made a TikTok? And had... No, never mind. We're already bad at Twitter. Well, if you want to email us, you can also email us at catmoms2 at yahoo.com. Yahoo! I'm still surprised we haven't heard back from them. <laughs> I feel like we should just message them and be like, listen to our podcast, bitch. <laughs> just send them a bunch of clips of like every week of us say- doing that. Yeah. And be like, oh yeah, sure. We'll give you guys. We'll make a TikTok show. compilation of us <laughs> doing our Yahoo, doing the Yahoo emails. Yeah. I feel like it would, it might work. Especially, it might work. I think so. Maybe would be like the Yokato Taco Bell dog, except like <laughs> lady loves Yahoo. <laughs> and then we also have our Patreon, which we're up to three people on our Patreon. Woo! <laughs> big ballin <laughs> not really i'm just letting it sit in there so that it'll just like eventually maybe get back. i mean isn't that how interest makes money lady love you just let it sit in there and then just like accrue and then you're just like fuck man big well bucks over here. i was just letting it sit there because like paypal charges you every time you take it out so i figure if we just like wait <laughs> <laughs> for different reasons we're yeah, waiting you know it's fair whatever samesies but <laughs> if you want to give us money Follow or join us on Patreon. Yeah, you can join us on our Patreon at either our one dollar level for a shout out and early access to our episodes, mm-hmm. or our five dollar level for our Lady Love Drunken Disorderly episodes, Woo-woo! which we have to do another one of. Yeah, we do. Very soon. Oh, yeah, know. we have like two days. Yeah, I feel like we could probably get hammered. And why do you think I took a nap that? earlier? Oh, okay, that's perfect. <laughs> then we could just go home, and I still have some more of those coffee drinks. I have some more upstairs too. We'll combine and, and then conquer. Yeah. I have some. Okay. okay. It'll be great. It'll That's be great. Perfect. No, it'll be fine. Yeah. We're mixing a lot of stuff. So <laughs> if it happens to come out like the first one, I'm not really that sorry. It's a pre warning. And also, I'm, I'm leaving the state. So it will probably be like the first one. Just yeah. So I can cope with my packing <laughs> and sadness. And as you move to the murder 
state capital. I'm telling world. you, every day that I'm not murdered will be a new day conquered. <laughs> That's just the way I feel about it. If I just open my eyes the next day, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm still here. Murder capital of the world. <laughs> oh, look, it's a tumbleweed. I'm alive. <laughs> oh God. I'd be so happy to see that tumbleweed though. Oh God. No. Okay, lady. Okay, but yeah, join us on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cat moms. Oh my. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. Do we cover all of them? I always feel like we forget one. And check out all the podcasts on BICBP-radio.com. Yeah. yeah. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and also thank you to Chris who came and helped us. Oh, what? Wow. Oh. Is someone getting beat next door? Maybe, it's a ghost. Maybe <laughs> the ghost followed us. I know. This is the ghost of Roy because we were talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you ladies. <laughs> but yeah, thank you to Chris for helping us set up this whole awesome Zoom meeting mm-hmm. with Ellen and check out his many podcasts. History Creeps, um, Chris and Anthony just can't stop. And mm-hmm. there's others, but I just can't remember. I'm really bad at this. Go check them out. Yeah. So I guess we'll see you next week. Good night. Goodbye. Goodbye.